My name is Nathan Kolopek. I am Matthew Morkin. And this is the Veritas Equipping Podcast. Our goal is, especially during this time, to equip you to live out your faith and love Jesus well. Well, hey, Veritas, it's 2021. A new year has begun, and I am Matthew Morkin, and I'm here with a couple other staff members. I'm Nathan Kolopek. I'm part of the adult ministry team. I'm Jake Each and provide some leadership for him. Yeah, and we're excited to just come at you again here with the Equipping Podcast Coming for a new year. Ya. Coming at you. <laughs> Booyah. Yeah. Uh, hopefully with some helpful thoughts and ideas. And this one's kind of loaded as we come into this new year. There's been a lot going on, if you hadn't noticed or hadn't been paying any attention to the news. But we kind of want to talk about the holidays, the election, and an actual relationship with God. Three significant things. Uh, One is greater than the rest. But nonetheless, just starting out with the end of 2020 happened, and it comes with Christmas. How was your guys' Christmas? Good, man. My wife is a really good gift giver. So I, I always, like, I love the family time and stuff like that, but I have a weird nervousness where she's so good at giving gifts that I feel like a chump sometimes. <laughs> I, I feel that. I do. Yeah. 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 So right now, I'm actually wearing a hoodie she got me for Christmas that's my favorite cricket team, which is such an obscure thing, um, but that just shows that she actually loves me. Is the hoodie obscure or is cricket obscure? Well, in America slash in Cedar Rapids, cricket is obscure, except for my, my Indian bros. Shout out to Taste of India, but... <laughs> Not Jake, a lot of cricket players. Yeah, what what did Marcy get you, Jake? Well, actually, I think the best gift I got was one that I gave. It's, so I gave Whoa. I gave Marcy a back massager that you yeah. plug in and set on your chair, and it rubs your back. And I think I've used it more than her. So. Oh, I thought you were gonna say the gift is that you don't have to. Oh no, I mean, it's it's. Uh, I thought she would love it, and she does. I just love it more. <laughs> That's one of the things I think in the equipping podcast we go for. Like, where was your heart in here? Wow. Yeah, that that is wow. the question. It it was. I had good motives. Good at the motives. beginning. Okay. It <laughs> at just the beginning. worked out to be one of my favorite <laughs> gifts. Worked out too. your favorite. Yeah. Alas, it comes yeah. out. What would you get? Oh man. Get? I got to give, my wife is a cold-blooded person, and so it's really cool. There's a ceramic mug where your hand kind of goes into the mug, and she really loves that. So you have your hand around the warmth, and then you can put your other hand over it, so it just exudes warmth. That's beautiful. The rest of her is still cold, but we're working on the hands, so (laughs) yeah. Yeah, it's working out. Some mug shoes, maybe. Mug shoes, yeah, that yeah. would be the next thing. Maybe some <laughs> woolen socks or something like that. Yeah, go. yeah, it's been good. We had the opportunity to go down to North Carolina and enjoy 20 degrees warmer. Thought mm-hmm. about you all as you got blizzarded in here. And, wow. Whew, yeah, you. God bless you. I won't talk about the sand and the beach, but we'll move on. So, yeah, uh, if you guys hadn't noticed, the election happened uh, mm-hmm. in November, and People are really, uh, it's been a crazy year. I thought 2021 would be like fresh and new, and then all of a sudden we got into a rough start. Uh, I'd love to hear you guys' take on what do we do with that. That's loaded, the, the take. What do you think, Jake? What's your take, man? Well, I mean, controversy in politics isn't new, yeah. but it certainly seems like the temperature has increased in our country, the passion, the polarization. Um, and you wonder like, okay, as Christians living in America, how are we supposed to deal with this? How are we supposed to process? How are we supposed to engage in the conversations that are happening? Um, and it, it can seem a little bit of a whirlwind, but I mean, a truth that we know as Christians that we should not be driven by fear and anger, mm-hmm. um, nor is any politician ever our king. Yeah. Um, so you can kind of err in two different directions. You can just be in outrage, uh, falling into fear and anger, or you can just be like, 
you know, finally the kingdom is coming and, you know, the new president's going to solve all our problems. And both of those is an, is an error for the Christian. Yeah, I do feel like I'm seeing maybe more so now a little bit of the us and them thing. And as believers, us identifying with a certain group of people um, too closely maybe that where we would look at other Christians and go, well, I'm not like that person. I'm more like these people. And I think that really does relate to Jesus being our king. Where it's like if I'm under King Jesus, even if I disagree politically with another believer, I get to love them and learn from them, and I, I get to grow alongside them, even if we come to different political conclusions. Mm-hmm. And so even some of the fear and anger that we maybe see dividing connection groups sometimes, where it's like, we have Jesus together. If Jesus is on the throne, how do I not take shots at this other person, even if I disagree with them, and and look at the world stage and kind of let the world fight by different rules? Yeah, and it, it really is an identity issue because uh, we do have political convictions that are hopefully guided by scripture. Yep. But at the end of the day, we're citizens of another kingdom. Yep. And uh, this is not our home. That's one thing that I've been wrestling with as just seeing the nation change. I think the nation is changing for the good, for the bad, whatever you want to say. But the nation is changing and trying to wrestle with the fact that I'm not of this world anymore, but like pursuing the, the king. And this is where I think spirituality becomes really practical because you have these tensions going on around us. And I've also been wrestling like the balance of, you know, how angry can I get over mm. over this or that? Because sure. sitting in here and wanting to love my brother, even some who may be the weaker brother, um, and trying to navigate ways where how is my response like bringing them to Christ, not just trying to win them to my opinion. Mm. And that's been a really difficult challenge for me. What is one of the things most personally challenging for you as you have your own convictions, but you're trying to live for the kingdom? I think I've had different reactions where I've gone from being too obsessed with the like the latest news and what's happening and had to honestly stop reading articles all the time. And, and I was trying to read broadly and read from different perspectives, but it just I kept getting more and more frustrated and bent out of shape. Um I swung the pendulum a little bit far where it's like, I don't even, I don't know, man, <laughs> like whatever, which <laughs> I'm just exhausted. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Not, not a maturity in that, but a, an exhaustion, I think is a really good word for it. And so learning how to engage appropriately and yeah, do that in a way where my hope isn't fixed on a certain political outcome, a certain piece of legislation, a certain appointment or something like that. And a lot of that for my heart is taking just prayer and praying that God would help move my my head my heart my hands yeah and emotions are a great indicator like is my joy been stolen has it increased too much am i putting too much hope in this is am i getting too angry am i falling into worry Uh, those emotional indicators are are tell us if our heart's in the wrong spot and it's not just a cliche it's a truth no matter who's in the oval office god is on the throne and that should direct our our attitudes our actions our emotions through this political season I think the thing that's challenging is you see a lot of people come to that point of view afterward, after Mm. a decision has been made, after someone has been voted in. But I think the encouragement for you, Veritas, for us, for me, is God is on his throne before and during the chaos and after the chaos. And he is faithfully working out a plan um, for something. But I do think people, Christians push back of like, well, what if this happens? And what if it gets really worse? as if that challenges the fact that God's on his throne. And really, it's probably a faulty view of suffering. Like, God is going to work all things for the good of those who love him and are called according to his purposes. 
And going through hard things isn't a bad thing. Sometimes God does great things for us to go through hard things, so we shouldn't fear it. If it's part of God's plan, we should lean into it. Two things. I think it would also help us as American Christians have a, if we had more of a global mindset and looked at how our brothers and sisters who love Jesus, God is still on the throne when you're in a country that has Christianity illegal and you're punished for following Jesus. Jesus is still on the throne even if your hope's not in an election, right? And that doesn't make us less, um, sort of less faithful witnesses in our context, but it, it takes some of the sting out of it when things don't go our way. Mm-hmm. But I think back to your point, Jake, about emotions, I think that's a really helpful point just for us in our personal discipleship. We can sometimes go, I feel it, therefore it's true. I feel it, therefore it's true. But instead saying, okay, it's true that I feel it. Like I really have this emotion, but let me trace that back and ask the question, is my emotion lining up with truth or not? Mm -hmm. And I was even just in a conversation with someone this morning where some of their view of God's sovereignty was shaped up in the fact that they already had some feelings that they were applying to God when God actually is different than that. So it's true that you're feeling this, this fear, this worry, this anxiety, but that doesn't change what is true, right? So let your emotions tell you what you're, <laughs> like, th- th- that's that weird process. Okay, look at your emotions for what they are and let them trace it back to where your heart is and let God actually tell you what's true to rewire your feelings. Yeah. Tom Schrader is a founding pastor at a church as a part of in Arizona. He would always say, what you know trumps what you feel. And you you have to come back to what is true. Maybe you don't say trumps right now, but <laughs> uh, the but the things stands, we yeah. we do know as Christians. Okay, how should we respond to that? We're called to pray for our leaders. Yep. No matter if it's the person you voted for or not, we're called to pray for our leaders. And there's just there's things that we're called to do um, that doesn't change in the course of election. Just faithful plotting of read your Bible, go to church, be in community. Love your neighbor. Love your neighbor, worship Jesus. And there's great, great power in just faithful plodding along. So I would just say, like, yeah, the election happened, and today's Wednesday yep. or Thursday. Today's Thursday. <laughs> today's <laughs> actually Thursday. <laughs> you know, yeah. And we, we got things to do, yep. and, and you, you keep representing Jesus in all your context. Yeah. And the beauty is just the consistency of the kingdom. Like, every four years, there's not a chance that it's going to change. There's a still hope to address the fear and the anger. There's the sovereignty of God that will guide us through no matter what human leaders do. There's prayer. We can talk to our maker, like, what is your will? Help my heart conform to your will. And then, yeah, be in the word. Um, We've talked about it before. When you live on social media, your heart goes pitter-patter, perhaps more. So let's talk about that relationship with God that Mm. just holds us together through thick and thin, but also through some very personal difficult things. And I mean, a great way to start is like, what, what is a relationship with God? What are some key aspects of that? Yeah. Yeah. Having a relationship with God, um, can seem like a a thing that's talked about more than actually practiced. Like Mm -hmm. in theory, we, we say the terms of like, it's, uh, it's about a relationship, but even though we articulate those words, I don't know how practical people are in their relationship with God. Yeah, we're trying to talk about the idea of an actual relationship as opposed to a theoretical mm-hmm. relationship, because I think most people that have been around church could tell you some stuff they're supposed to do to have a relationship with God, but there's a disconnect between what you think you're supposed to do and how you actually enjoy a relationship with God. Yeah, so you understand the gospel. It's like, oh, he's my, the Lord is my savior. That's not like, okay, I've asked Jesus to come into my heart. Like we've used relational language, but like, but do you have a day-to-day practical working relationship. And I think we need to understand 
the importance of that. I mean, when Jesus in John 15 is saying, you know, abide in me, apart from me, you can do nothing. We're fruitless people without an active relationship with God. We've often said around here at Veritas, at least with our staff, is we want to do ministry out of the overflow of what God is doing in our own heart, our own Bible reading, our own prayer life, our own devotion, our own passion to overflow to other people. Like uh, we need to see our daily uh, relationship with God is extremely necessary uh, for our joy and for our just effectiveness uh, in our world. And I think when you come into religion or you are made aware of it or that there is a God, oftentimes I feel like people address, I know i I did for so many years of my life is external, right? And so when, as soon as you start viewing external, you're like, oh, well, look at how I behaved. Or yeah, I did, I did one thing wrong, but you've missed the 37 great things I did. And the old ladies I helped across the street and I don't swear, you know, and just, you know, we start getting into checklist material there. When, when you see in the gospel, I'm thinking about John three, where it talks about new birth and, you know, that it's coming from within you and it's transforming you from the inside out. And just a question maybe to ask ourselves, or what and what do you guys think about this too, is, you know, is your relationship with God defined by what you don't do, or is it really defined by what you do? Can you speak to that a little bit? Yeah, I think it's both. I mean, one is like how, because a relationship with God is a weird concept. Like, how mm-hmm. do I relate to God? Mm-hmm. So we need to just first understand there is some some weirdness to it, but we relate to God by grace. Mm-hmm. Like our grace is makes it possible for sinners to have a relationship with God. Then you need to get into like, okay, well, how do we practically relate to God? And I would say obedience does have a part of it. So in John 15, when he's talking about, you know, those who obey my commands, love me, that's in the context of abiding. And um, disobedience is not going to be good for our relationship with God. Now, we don't obey and earn a relationship with God. But our faithfulness to his word and what he's called us to do uh, provides a context for a healthy relationship with God. There are a couple of ditches we can fall into with this, where in evangelical culture, in kind of our church tribe, whatever, we love grace and we love the fact that we relate to God by grace. And that is so good and so true. And sometimes we can push that so far that we're like, okay, it's only grace that matters. Obedience doesn't matter, which isn't right. Like Jesus does, like you said, Jake, talk about our obedience, but we also are allergic to the fact that like our relationship with God isn't based on our obedience exactly, even though our obedience affects our relationship and maybe affects our experience of the relationship. And so I do think the fact that God helps us understand relating to him with human relationships is helpful where for, you know, we're fathers in here. Um, our kids position in our family isn't based on their behavior. Now, their experience of closeness to us might change if they're if they're disobeying, running away. They might feel like we're more strict if they're, Matthew used the example, like running into the road. You know, you, you've used that so many times, and it's so true. If you chase your kid down and stop them from running in the road, they might feel like you're a bad dude because you're stopping their freedom, even though it's an expression of love. And obedience will free them up to actually see your love for what it is. I, I, pictures like that can start to give us a picture of what it's like to relate to God. Yeah, I think there's two ways to think about it. How do we have a relationship with God? Grace. Yeah. By grace, sinners can relate to God. How do we have an active relationship mm. with God? That's what we want to talk about because that's where it's weird. And sometimes we we think like you don't relate to God like your neighbor, your friend. Like you have to define the relationship. We're sinners. He's a holy God. Uh, we were created to be in relationship with him, but 
let's define the relationship. So how would you define the relationship between a holy God and sinful people? Like how, how do you relate? Like what are relational activities if that's the relationship? I think in our culture, we, we don't really get holiness and unholiness that well. We kind of think good and bad generally in, in cheap terms, maybe light terms, but I love the pictures in the, especially in, in the Old Testament and the book of Revelation. I think those those two spots, especially when people come before a holy God, they fall on their face because he's that big and beautiful and amazing. And they're just like, I'm, I'm done. I can't handle this. And worship is a natural response when you come up to something that's worth it, right? Like worship is saying, this is worth it. We, we have these small tastes of things being worth it, like big sporting events or concerts or you're lost in the crowd or or maybe even you you climb to the top of a mountain and you look out and there's a view that's just bigger than you. Again, those are like tiny pictures in our hearts of relating to this God that is so big and amazing and holy that he's absolutely worth it. And and it's this beautiful fear thing where you look at it and you're like, you should crush me. You're that big and I can't handle it. Mm-hmm. And I want you. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. So setting up, like defining the relationship is going to be keys in understanding how we relate. So if you're holy God and I'm sinful person, that means this relationship is going to involve me worshiping you. Yeah. Me learning more about you. Me obeying you. Um, that's a practical relationship with the holy God that he invites us like. I'm going to invite you to know me. I'm going to invite you to obey me. I'm going to invite you to enjoy me and worship me. So if those are kind of activities in a relationship with the Holy God, what does that practically look like for you guys? Like, how do you relate to God day to day, week to week? I'll let you go first, Nathan. (laughs) (laughs) Thanks, Matthew. I've just been sitting here absorbing. I, I don't mean it to sound cliche, but prayer and the Word are two cores in that because when a holy God invites me to know him, he gets to tell me what he's like. I don't tell him what he's like. Mm-hmm. And so the word is is God telling us what he's like and reframing my perspective on all of existence based on who he is and, and what he tells me about existence. And so the word for me, having a steady diet in the Bible and not the Bible as a textbook, but as a tool in God's hand to change my perspective and reality so that I'm not just looking for more to-dos or how-tos in life, although those are there for sure, but even more than that, again, it's like a refreshing of my perspective and my mindset for for life. And then prayer is, I think prayer is one of those foundational disciplines to move stuff from my head to my heart. When I can read it in the Word and in prayer, I start to sort of lay myself before God and go, okay, hey, this isn't lining up with what you say is true. Can you help me experience that differently? Or you, you say that there's peace in Jesus. Can why, why isn't that connecting? Can you convict me of that and show me that? Um, so those two kind of main and plain, but that's some of the faithful plotting you were talking about earlier of like in my relationship with my wife. We talk. <laughs> we go on dates. We do things like that. I'm not like going on dates with Jesus, you know, because he's God. But <laughs> but that, that again, the analogies kind of help a little bit where it's like if I want to have a good relationship with my wife, I talk to her. I learn from, I learn about her. Like we we're in regular communication. So for myself, I think that relationship with God is fueled by by the scriptures. And I think you said not to be cliche, but like that's that's the issue. Like we have we have a letter that he wrote to us. The Older Testament tells us about his faithfulness. The New Testament tells us about fulfillment of promises. Not that he doesn't fulfill any in the Older Testament, but you know, you just see that in the Word. And I, when I look at myself and 
my relationship with my wife, we did long distance relationship and so much of it was through letters. You know, back in the old days, we wrote letters. <laughs> what is that? Is yeah. that like an email? There's this little truck that pulls up to your house and then the, the guy has a piece of paper and he puts Whoa. it in the box. Did he come yeah. with the milkman or what? <laughs> That was more of an insult on my age. <laughs> so usually, um, if you've been a fan of the podcast for a while, you know that's usually Matthew's thing dunking on Richard. So I just <laughs> Richard's not with us, so I had to. I had to we, just... Yeah, we can't talk about Richard. He's not here to defend himself. <laughs> but like, but so we'd write that letter, and there was never a point in my life when I would get a letter from Sharon where I'd be like, oh, "I'll read this next week." Mm, I shredded good. that thing in my twenty-five yard walk back to my house because I wanted to read what she had to say to me, and I, I've just that's been personal. Personally, for me, such a huge impact of like being in the Word, even if I'm in Leviticus or some of the harder texts, it's just been rewarding to see the faithfulness of God to other people and how he promises to work out in my own life. So reading the Word is particularly huge for me to stay in my relationship with Jesus, just hearing his promises, seeing how he loves, seeing how he responds. And then I think lastly for me, I'm really weak at prayer. But the one thing that I, I really enjoy is worship through music mm. and just the opportunity to sing. I'm not a great singer, but just to sing back to God, like these truths about how huge he is and his faithfulness or whatever the song is. So talking about reading his word, put you guys on the spot. Are you guys doing the Veritas Bible reading plan? Yep. Yeah. Yep. Yes, I am. It's been great, even in our family, to know like, oh, we read the same chapter today. We're yeah. going to talk about that. Yeah. When I love too, like being around the office, you can bump into other people who are like, you know, I was just reading through Job. Isn't it crazy that his friends just sat there for that long, you know, and just being reflecting on that and how God just like Job, boom, you know, calling them out. And if, if you're listening in and you're kind of a perfectionist and you're like, oh, I didn't start, I'll start next year, just jump in with where we're at right now. Even if you didn't get the first few chapters, that's okay. Reading the word is a lifelong thing. You can read the whole thing next year. That's fine. But start today kind of where people are at and invite other people to keep you accountable because we all need to be shaped by God's word together. So what does it look like for you, Jake? Yeah, I mean, there's the daily disciplines of Bible reading and prayer, uh, weekly rhythms of corporate worship with my church family. Um, th those are my obedience. Um, okay, I read this in your word. You're telling me to do this. Doing it is yeah. is part of my relationship with God. So just those those rhythms in your life that seem mundane are how we continue to relate to God. Now, what's tricky is there's a lot of people that read their Bible that don't have a very good relationship with mm. Jesus. Um, so it's not just read your Bible. Right. It's get to know God. It's not just sing a song. It's worship holy God. Uh, I was just struck with that probably five years ago, the reality, like so much of my life, I was raised in a Christian home, did Christian school, which isn't everyone's story, right? But you're not reading the Older Testament to be quizzed on it. It's mm. not just like, who led the Israelis through the wilderness? Moses, I got that right. Or what was created on the third day? But it's an opportunity to see like, how is God in control of everything that was created? And how is God, how did God lead? Like, here's an opportunity to know how God worked with a very stubborn, ridiculous group of people. That's how he's going to work with me. It's an opportunity to know him, not be tested on Bible facts. Mm -hmm. And that was, that changed the way, especially I read the, read the Older Testament of like, oh, I'm not getting quizzed after this. Like, this is how my God works. This mm -hmm. is how powerful he is. This is how he moves in the hearts of kings. This is how he moves through rebellious people. Praise and, the Lord. And I think that when it comes to having an actual relationship with God, it's different than 
doing things because I feel like I'm supposed to. Yeah, yeah. So don't just ask, did I read my Bible today? Ask, like, am I growing in my knowledge of who God is and his character? Mm-hmm. Don't just say, did I pray before I ate? And it's like, no, am I crying out to my God and, and praying to him and, and bringing my cares before him? Don't just say, did I go to church? Like, did I worship God? Those are the components of sinful people relating to a holy God. And they all work together beautifully. When I pray as I read the word, both get better because I'm praying to God on his terms and and praying to him for who he really is. And the word's more alive because I'm actually trying to meet with God through it. Or when I'm, you know, on a Sunday gather with God's people, we preach through the word because it's not just like some, some helpful tips for your life, but because God has authority and we're his people, he's a holy God. And this, this might sound really dumb. I, I don't know if I brought this up before, but even recently realizing worship is a form of prayer. That can sound so silly, but you know, sometimes I'm like, yes, that's good theology, or did I sing that right, or am I too loud, whatever. But letting worship be an act of prayer over and over again. So it, I'm less concerned of, do I like this song, or did how did this go? But am I talking to God? Am I enjoying Him? And yeah, that just makes some of those things click together more. And sure. I, I've got friends who don't love Sundays, and I'm bummed for them because they miss out on getting to enjoy God with his people. Mm-hmm. For sure. So we understand how important having an actual relationship with God is. We, we push these disciplines to our people. What's the benefit? Like, how have you, what have you experienced through worship and Bible reading and prayer and pursuing God relationally? What, what, what difference has that made in your life? Honestly, more recently and just surviving 2020 is just keeping my focus, keeping the reality isn't what happened in the United States of America in Cedar Rapids in 2020. The reality is God is on his throne, like being reminded of God's sovereignty, of his control. And that's where when I read the word and read how God worked through Israel or worked through Peter or worked through James um, and stuff he wrote, it's just a reminder to me to press on that, that he's in control. And just, it's not like, you know, I'm not going to win the lottery after I read my Bible, but it's a blessing to read the Bible in the morning and just re- and put things in perspective. Nathan, you said that. It puts me in perspective. I am not on the throne, nor is a politician, nor is a pandemic. That is not on the throne. God is on his throne, and it's been so relieving for me. Yeah, when you win the lottery, will you pay off Veritas' debt? <laughs> punch you. <laughs> am I allowed to? <laughs> yeah, that wasn't a bad comment I made, because <laughs> if you want to pay off our debt... I will hug you. Did you say that I in every service you. or just no, the one I went to? No, <laughs> I just got ornery and went <laughs> um, Come to the 11 o'clock because Jake is ornery. Um, I, I, I do think the benefit is lining up my experience of life with the reality of life. And that can sound vague. I'm a little bit of an abstract dude. Like that's part of my issue. But when I, when I look at my life, there are so many times where I look at what I'm doing and I'm like, yeah, that's kind of fun, but it's meaningless ultimately. And almost to a fault where I can be sitting on a beach in Mexico and have a like a crisis of what am I doing here, right? That's not good. Okay. But when I read about the God who made everything and has a purpose in all of existence, I'm more and more lining up my life with that. And I can more feel the reality of um, Augustine's confession said, my soul was restless till it found its rest in you, God. The true rest of our souls is enjoying God as his subjects in his kingdom and relating to him the way that he does. So that changes how I drop my daughter off at daycare. 
that changes how I do the laundry. That changes how I go grocery shopping. So even if an actual relationship with God doesn't look like I'm a monk off somewhere, like always praying in the spirit, my experience of reality is different because I'm more lined up with the one who made reality. And that's what I was going to finish there saying too, is like my letters that I got from Sharon, they built toward a time where we were together. Mm. They built toward a time while we were apart, we're together. And so I have the opportunity to rest in the sovereignty and rest in his plan. And because I trust him and I know him and he, here's God of the universe, creator of all things. In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. It was formless and void. And he says, come to me, you who are weary and heavy laden, and I will give you rest. And I, I get to have that intimate relationship with him. And one thing I'd encourage, if you're listening in and you're like, I don't know if I have an actual relationship with God, we're not talking about some crazy mountaintop experience. Sure, that might happen. That might be your story. But we're talking about the fact that you can relate to the God of the universe through Jesus Christ. And so even if you're listening to this and you're like, I don't know if I've ever had that, right now, go to God, accept the good gift he's offering of relationship with him through Jesus and step into an actual relationship. It's not about you earning a relationship with God. It's about you accepting the gift that Jesus won and letting him transform you. I think that's that perspective is actually something that gets in the way of a relationship with God. We want this sensational, um, we chase after the sensational, but like when Elijah was on the mountain and it's like God wasn't in the thunder, or the lightning or the fire, like he was in the stillness and an evidence of a good relationship with God at least in my life, is a sense of peace and contentment that God meets you where you're at. He, uh, he ministers to your heart. His word directs your life. Um, you grow in your contentment. And if you, if you want to grow in that, get around people that have that. Maybe your best friends are people that don't, aren't pursuing God in that way. Find some people, ask some people out for lunch after church, get around some people that seem to actually have this. That would be really good for you. Part of how God designed us to function is to function together. So many pictures in the New Testament are, we're a body, we're a family, we're, we're a building together. All of these these pictures are meant to say, you can't do this alone. God designed you to be with people. Yeah, and, and we probably, as Westerners, take the idea of a personal relationship with Jesus a little bit too far. Part of our relationship with God is communal as God's people. So it's not just about you alone at home with your closet. Like It's you with God's people. And it's a both and. So we've kind of alluded to these things too, but like we're specifically doing an equipping podcast for Veritas. And so Veritas isn't a building downtown. It is a people. There's a people that are committed here. How do we want this to flesh out? How can we encourage uh, it to flesh out amongst the church called Veritas in Cedar Rapids, Iowa? Yeah. Read your Bible consistently, frequently, but don't just read it and check it off. Like want to know the character of God. Uh, get to know the character of God, pursue like wanting to know him more, come to church, don't just sing, worship, uh, pray. Like these things, if they're in the life of our people, here, here's my dream for Veritas Church. We're not going to have the church that we want to have based on a new program we develop or a new initiative we have. We're going to have the church we want to have as our people grow in their godliness. And when, when Christ in John 15 talks about connected to me, you're going to bear much fruit. That's what excites me. The fruit that our individual people will be bearing in their life as they abide in Jesus. Um, so catch the vision of an actual relationship with God and long for the fruit of it. And with that, I hope even as you're listening in, the heart you see behind all the stuff we do is because we want this for you, but we can't make this for you. So 
putting out a reading plan. It's not because we want a bunch of people to do reading plans so that we feel good about a reading plan. It's so that you have an actual relationship with God and know him and love him. We put books in the resource center. Like right now we got books on prayer. Not because we're trying to sell books. <laughs> you know, we're, we're wanting you to grow. And so, yeah, as you're listening in, as you're engaging in the life of Veritas, hear our heart behind the things that we're doing is not just for you to do Christian activities, but for you to grow in an actual relationship with God that changes your life where you bear fruit in the places God's put you. Yeah, it's beautiful. I mean, and add on to that classes too. Like yeah. Veritas won't save you. Your class won't save you. Um, your book of the Bible won't save you, but the truth that's within the Bible, that relationship with God will give you peace and and just the prayer that you would know God so you can handle whatever 2021 throws at us in the following year. Yeah, I think one one cool thing for whatever the political season we talked about earlier, whatever that starts to look like, one of my hopes for Veritas' people as we grow in our actual relationship with God is that we would be able to have disagreements but not division when it comes to issues in our culture, issues in our society, because we're more deeply rooted in the unity we have in Jesus. Like beginning of First Corinthians series, that's the thing we talked about, right? So an actual relationship with God would flesh out in, yeah, we might disagree with somebody in our body about things, but we're not divided because our relationship with God unites us. And it's a key to understand where that comes from. You can't just hate division and conflict and be like, well, let's, let's move past that. You pursue Jesus, the Holy Spirit in you produces the fruit of the Spirit, and you're more patient with each other. Yeah. You're yeah. more gentle with each other. Um, that's what we, like the things that we want to accomplish as a church, as a people, as an individual, as a married couple, as a family, is so connected to your relationship with God. And we want to be people who pursue it. And the hopeful thing in that is God wants that for us too. It's not just us to build this, but our God is the God who revealed himself to his people. He's the God that tells us what he's like. He's not far away hoping we stumble across him, but in his love for us, he tells us he's holy. He tells us he's on the throne. And Jesus is the the exact representation of God's character and nature as he's our savior. So like, I just, I love that we can have actual relationship with God because he wants that and because he made the way for that. And all those things considering, I think, you know, when you record a basketball game and you know who's going to win, but you're watching it through, you you have joy. You have peace because you know the outcome. And because of our relationship with God, we know the outcome. We know his character. We know his nature. And we want to be in line with it. And so we can have joy even in interacting with other people, the most joyful people on the earth. Well, thanks, gentlemen, for hanging out. Any final thoughts? Read your Bible. <laughs> Worship God. Pray. You'll be surprised, blown away by the practical differences it makes in your day-to-day life. Yeah, and if you want help with resources, there's some resources on the website. I encourage you to go there. We're available to you as well if you get stumped. I would love to shepherd you through some Bible questions or whatever you're wrestling with as well. Yeah, it's funny that in 2,000 years of Christianity, we don't really have new answers. We got we got maybe some different circumstances, but our God's the same and the answers are the same. Let's just keep doing the things that have been working for a few thousand years, and and God's got us. Amen. Well, we love you, Veritas. Thanks for taking the time to listen, and we look forward to sharing some more in the next month. 